0: You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 113. Well, hey there, impact driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are going to talk about how artificial intelligence, AI, and process automation make the PMO stronger. Now, in this interview, I'm going to be talking to Matt Muldoon, who will explain how there is a lot of hype or talk around AI, artificial intelligence, and automation in general for business process. Many markets are up to speed with the latest and greatest in tech, but we believe, all of us, both at Keyden and at PMO Strategies, that the project portfolio management market seems to be a bit behind and the PMO space in general. So in this session, you're going to learn why PMOs should adopt these technologies and why there's absolutely nothing to fear with incorporating AI into your PMO. This episode is sponsored by Keyed In. Looking for a solution that helps you get up and running, but also with you for the long haul? Power your PMO with solutions from Keyed In. Their tried and true model combines software with services to help leaders get value from their PPM tool and grow their PMO to the next level. By simplifying complex areas such as resource management, capacity planning, and portfolio analysis, KeedIn effectively changes the way PMOs deliver for the business. Check them out at keyedin.com and definitely find and follow them on LinkedIn. And when we get to the PMO Impact Summit, be sure to go say hello to them in their virtual booth so you can learn more about how they can help you make a big impact. Now, let me let you know a little bit about Matt before we dive in. He's the Chief Product Officer at Keaton, and Keyden has been a fabulous sponsor and supporter of the PMO Impact Summit for years. We really appreciate their partnership. Now, Matt leads the administrative and product directions and the strategic development of Keyden Solutions offerings. So he's definitely the guy to be taking us on this journey today, talking about AI and process automation and how that's going to help you make a bigger impact with your PMO. Matt, thank you so much for being here.
1: Great to be here. Thanks,
0: Laura absolutely so is it okay if we just dive right in cuz we got a lot to talk about and i'm really excited about this because i think there are a lot of myths about ai and some fears that i think we need to squash like right away so now let's just start with there is a lot of hype around ai and automation in like we said in general for business process and i think also a lot of fear with PMO leaders and project managers being concerned that AI is going to take over their jobs, right? Why do you think it's worth the time and investment to actually adopt these technologies at the PPM or PMO level and not be so fearful that these kinds of solutions are going to take over our roles?
1: AI is just the next step in the computer journey. I've been in computing a long time. And the reason most of us use computers is that they make different things that we do easier. Mm-hmm. AI is, isn't is necessarily, it's, it's not true intelligence. It's the ability to use the speed and the depth of a computer to do things a little faster than we can do ourselves and to help us get it right. I'm hooked on AI personally. I have four of those little devices whose name I will not mention because one of them is sitting right there yeah. and it will wake up. But it's for all kinds of convenient uses. And that convenience should be in your job as well. And, yeah. and I mean, they sh- don't need to be afraid of it because... What AI does is it makes the repetitive tasks easier to do, but it leaves the intelligence, the true intelligence, and the user to use. It makes the process easier, more pleasant, which is another interesting thing about that it's different than a lot of computer systems. It actually makes the process pleasant, but it leaves you to do the hard stuff, which is thinking and, and understanding the conclusions that you get or designing the way that it is going to make life
0: easier for you. Right, right. Absolutely. And here's the thing. The way I look at it is I think we're overcomplicating or maybe fearful because we don't understand what we mean when we say AI and artificial intelligence. I remember you and I, before we started this interview, we're talking about early years in my career. And one of those was working in Freddie Mac, where we used artificial intelligence to help drive the loan decision process of that would help lenders in the primary market understand whether or not it was a good bet to take on a particular loan. This was in the 90s, right? This was a long time ago. So AI is not actually something new, and it's really not something to be feared. What we're talking about is automating where we can the decisions, the lower level decisions, so that PMO leaders and project managers can get to the business of handling the people level stuff that is often undervalued, underappreciated, but far more important and far more high impact to the overall delivery of the organization's strategy. It's about the people and delivering change through people. So can we like 100,000 foot view before we go any further, just talk about what we mean when we say AI? What are we really talking about?
1: There's There's a couple of elements. I mean, the first one, would be the area of machine learning and dynamic analytics and having the machine review a much larger population of data than we have the ability to do as human beings. And based on human theories like Bayes' theorem and things like that, identify patterns or behaviors in that indicate particular probabilities or outcomes. So in the PMO world, these things keep happening in projects that tend to, not always, but tend to to have a higher than average failure rate, for example. These things are happening in projects where they're being successful. So let's have the the machine look at these projects as early as we can in their life cycle so that if those patterns are starting to show themselves, we can intervene early. That's one way, that's part of just using probability theory to understand how data is indicating probabilities. Mm -hmm. On is changing the way we interact with computers. And that's where my little friend over here comes into play because we start using human language interaction with a computer. I mean, you've done computer science. I've been working in computers my whole life. I've had plenty of time looking at code. You show that to most people and they run screaming. Yeah. If they could, even just a simple query can be intimidating. But if you can just ask the question and machine learning, the use of human language interaction allows you to do that. So you can say, whatever you call your bot or whatever we might call ours, KIP. Kip, What's the status of project X, Y, Z? And I'm a stakeholder and I'm interested. And it comes back and says, it's red. And now it's in context. So the bot understands what you're talking about and who you are. So you simply say, well, why is that? And it says, oh, because, and it reads you the notes or something like that. Simple, informational, and easy to use interactions that engage your stakeholders, your senior users, and also your project users. Because the other thing I could do would be sitting around chopping up the onions for dinner, and I can go, Kip, what was I supposed to do today? And it says these projects in this time. That's exactly what I did. Go ahead and stick that on my timesheet so I don't have to go drudge that up someplace else. And the whole point, again, is making our interactions and our understanding of what goes on in those systems easier and better than just reading a report or looking at a dashboard. It's, it's
0: interpreting the data a little better. Oh, for sure. So in my mind, what we're talking about is introducing automation of the things that are more the mundane tasks so that we can focus and have, well, one, I mean, I love the chopping onions, actually get a little bit of more of our time back, right? If we don't want to be treated as administrative overhead, we have to stop focusing all of our time and energy on administrative tasks. So if there's a way for us to use automation and improve our business processes and automate our business processes for the things that are the more administrative tasks, we have so much more capacity for doing the real value added services, which by the way, the reason a lot of projects and PMOs fail is because we're doing change to people instead of with them, which I know we're going to talk about in a minute, so I don't want to give too much away, but I feel like- This is not something to be feared, but something to be embraced and like, heck yeah. So how do I do this? Right? So let's say that we've gotten people off of the fence. They're not as scared anymore. Like, okay, I need to add more value. I need to be an impact driver. I need to drive impact. There's nothing in our impact driver model, by the way, that we're talking about at this summit, that's like, let's go be admins, right? It's all about real business value and driving business value. So if that's the case, we've got people saying, okay, okay, I'm bought in, Matt. So how do you introduce more automation and business process management in the PMO space in particular. You gave some good examples, but where does somebody start?
1: The first thing you need to understand is what your data is telling you and what's important to your business, obviously. I had worked in a previous job where we had used AI in a a different area, a financial area. It had proved to give some wildly different and unusual insights, but that worked really well. And I was having a conversation early on at Keaton with a customer, and this customer had said that they had a very high success rate in their projects, but they wanted to be even higher. And he said, the only reason I could, the way I could do that is if I could catch them earlier, the ones that do fail and get them back on track by understanding that. And I said, well, you need to use AI to do that because that's the behavioral analysis. And they ended up being uh, one of the customers that we did a proof concept with, which drove us onto the next level of introducing AI. But the, the key there is understanding what your measures are, how you identify things. And you want to understand first thing you got to do is like, what is success? Yeah. How do I measure it? And if I do measure it, have I logged it? You'd be amazed at how many PMOs have successful projects, but in their systems, there's nowhere in there where it had a kickbox that said this was successful.
0: Yeah. Or they or
1: they have different definitions within the business of what success is. In the right. old success was on time under budget. Well, okay, that's that's great nowadays, but unless you've delivered the value to the business, that's a waste of time. So now we've got to measure the value and then understand what it was that we did to drive that and teach that to the machine so it can look for more of it.
0: All right. So you just keep throwing these value bombs in there and like they're no big deal, but that's a huge deal. What you just said about the fact that it isn't just about the triple constraint. It's not just about on time, on scope, on budget, because if you don't actually deliver business value, it doesn't matter how perfect your deliverables were. It doesn't matter how perfect you are in the outputs you create. If the business value, the outcomes are not ultimately achieved. And so I'm really glad to hear you say that as a thought leader, as a business leader, as someone that's helping organizations figure out how to drive more business value and create more impact, I, I really think it's important that people hear that, right? Because so many times, and I frankly... Honestly, it's really of no no fault of their own, but a lot of us grew up in this project management world, PMP certified, nothing against the PMP. I've been PMP certified since 2004, or it's Prince2 or whatever it is, but a lot of those foundational toolkits, those systems, frameworks for delivering projects, and, and there's things changing, thank goodness. Things are changing, but a lot of us grew up in that world of inputs, outputs, tools, techniques, right? A lot of us grew up in the world of our value is being tied to the outputs we create and how good we get at repeating that process, that consistency, as if consistency is king, consistently creating perfect outputs. And what we're forgetting is that because you manage the scope so tightly and because you told them, sorry, change control board's not going to let you in for three months, so you miss the whole market opportunity from a business perspective, then what what our project managers need to understand, our PMO leaders need to understand is in the eyes of the business, it was a failure, right? So I think that's the really big thing that I want to make sure, I want to pause on that because that is so super important for this audience of project managers and PMO leaders in particular that are trying to become impact drivers. This is a really important part of it is really pivoting our understanding of why we're there in the first place, which isn't to just make pretty deliverables. And, is, and it's not even about on time, on scope, on budget. So I like how you're talking about how AI and business process and all this can help us actually transition to this more business outcome focused kind of way of operating. So that's pretty cool.
1: It's again, it com- comes back to your data. I mean, one of the things we need to introduce into the PMO is is another dimension where we measure our business. And that is on a product or value stream level where we combine our projects together in a like strategic swim lane, you might want to call it. And we understand how that is impacting the business going forward. It can be something as mundane as an architecture change for the business, or it can be something as impactful as a complete new product line. Mm -hmm. And all of those, everything has a key to it. And the first things you do are costs. And you are worried about controlling the cost, but if they don't deliver the ultimate intellectual property or value you need for the business, and you have to be able to measure that, then it's, you're wasting your time. You don't know whether or not what you're doing is the right
0: thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So now let's switch gears a little bit and talk to me, if you could talk to me a little bit more about change management and how... PMOs can use a PPM tool, for example, like yours, to promote that, to really handle all of the change going on in these projects.
1: Well, that, the tools give you the ability to start measuring the organization their readiness for change, especially if you've got survey functionality, that type of thing. You want to see, are you ready to change? Do you understand why we're introducing change? What we're doing? These questions need to be asked over and over. And you do get a population of people that you're delivering whatever that project is to. There's always skeptics. There's always super enthusiasts. And you need to identify who or which because you need to work with the enthusiasts to evangelize the project to the rest of the organization so that they adopt quicker. You also, if you're smart, will identify groups that are evangelists and you'll deliver to them first and they will see value in what they have. And then the rest of the business will look at that and go, hey, that's pretty good. I think we do that too. I mean, not to blow our own horn, but we have a very strong land and expand kind of uh, mentality at In by doing that, getting into a small part of the business, giving them the benefits they need from our particular software. And then the business looks up and goes, hey, that's really good. We'd like to do that too. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, for sure. Now I call those groups of people, the stakeholders, the lovers, the haters, and the just don't cares. And you have to figure out how to manage each of those groups. And I love your emphasis. This is something I've been teaching For a long time uh, in the change management space is that a great way to take advantage of those lovers, your champions, the people that are really enthusiastic about the change is to have them pilot things. They're going to be more patient. They're going to be provide you good, real feedback. And then when you help them win, they are able to tell that story of their success to everyone. Right. And you put those change champions, you give them a platform to talk about their successes and talk about the experiences that they're having, which are going to be positive and open and supportive. And then that then begets your next opportunity to drive more change. And so that's Matt. we were talking before we started this. We had, we had a whole great conversation before everyone turned on the, the record button. And we were talking about that very thing about how baby steps. Right. And using anytime you're creating change in an organization, being able to take it one step at a time to give people time to digest the change and change how they're operating and get those good stories right? The good stories of successes and the value really be able to show me, don't tell me, right? The value that you're creating and then be able to expand on that. So that framework works across all of the services that a PMO can deliver. And it's really cool that the way you guys operate and the way that you work with your clients is to show them the value of doing that kind of smaller groups, get started with some change champions, get some successes under your belt, build some credibility and let, let those impact stories tell, be the cause for action uh, with the rest of the organization. So I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. It's fun as well, to be honest with you, because you start out with the enthusiasts and you watch them grow and they grow within the business as well, because they become key influencers. Oh, so yeah. it's all over the place.
0: And I bet you, just like me, you're so proud when you see those successes and you're watching their maturity just blossom right in front of you. I feel like those are like the points that make me beam, right? Or like, oh, I love the progress they're making. It's really just a fun, I love that you said fun, because it really is a fun experience all around. All right, Matt, this is so, so good. Okay. Now, before we go any further, I want to take this organizational change management thing and kind of spin it a little. As you're going through this process of introducing machine learning, and that in and of itself is creating a lot of change for people and organizations, I'm very curious if there are certain patterns of behavior that are emerging. Are you seeing anything interesting there as people are going through this process of incorporating machine learning and and we're introducing that on projects and programs? What are you seeing there?
1: Well, yeah, there are some patterns and some of them you would expect. Like the bigger the project, as in the, the longer the time scale, and the, the more likely it is to have a failure of some type like being late or that thing, because there's more to manage. Interestingly enough, the deeper the project, as in, if you look at that going down a lot of tasks compressed into a short time frame, you, have, you start to develop very high probabilities of, of failure because you have too many critical paths involved. Ah. Interesting though, if a product has risks associated with it, as in somebody notes more risks, they have, tend to have a, a higher tendency to succeed. You've got to think about why do these things happen? And maybe it's because the person is taking more time to consider what might go wrong and so that they're better at managing it. And then there are some interesting things that you find where you, which you have to deliver, shall I say, in a politically subtle manner, like people in the business might tend to be associated with a particular outcome. And I'm not just talking about people on the project. I might be talking about people who are the stakeholders to the project or the, mm-hmm. We're initiating the project. And then you got to go back to the business and say, well, we need to talk about why certain projects are failing and, and we'll leave the
0: conclusions to you. Ah, interesting. So the data is giving us maybe more pointed, directed information about root cause of or patterns of particular types of projects that maybe have a certain key stakeholder, or sponsor, et cetera. And I know, here's the thing, is I know there's a lot of project managers and PMO leaders are like, yeah, I could have told you that. I know those patterns, right? But it's really cool when the data can tell that story for you, right? And if you can let, you can use the technology to present the information so it's not just our really strong gut instincts or what we're observing, but the facts speak for themselves, I guess. Is a good way to stuff's being
1: it? anecdotal and starts being science driven, which is, hey, this is what the science says.
0: Right, right. It's It's a lot harder to argue with in that respect, which I think is awesome because that can be extremely supportive to project managers and PMO leaders when they're trying to kind of point out what's obvious to them, right? But may not be obvious to everyone else. I have a ton of stories myself and I can tell you with my PMO leaders, they always have like one troubling sponsor that maybe doesn't know how to be a good sponsor. And so they don't know that they should be asking questions like, How can I help you? Or where can I remove barriers? Or who do you need me to talk to? Or tell me what to do. Right. A good sponsor says those kind of things. And they may not know how to be a good sponsor. So they may be like, oh, you got a problem? Okay, good luck with that. Let me know how it turns out. See ya. Right. Well, or
1: I tell you what it's exactly what they want. And they don't respond when you ask. And then when you deliver something, they say, that wasn't what I was looking for.
0: Exactly. Exactly right. And so, yeah. And I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've gone into support organizations and the program managers are saying, I can't get on my sponsor's calendar for four weeks, but we have this critical decision that needs to be made. And the whole project's going to get pushed out by four weeks if I don't have this decision, right? And then they're left scrambling, the program and project teams, they're left scrambling and being frustrated, and it's not really even their own fault. Whereas if you were able to use the data to say, we have a pattern here, then maybe that helps the PMO kind of draw attention to a real problem that's happening and use the science, right? Use the data to tell the story for them so that then the PMO leader can be in a, how might we solve this? position as opposed to being in the policing position, right? It just kind of changes the whole dynamic. Let the technology be the bad guy is what I'm taking from this. I love that idea. <laughs> so now can we switch gears a little bit? Because just yesterday I was recording a session with Jenny Fowler where um, she's fantastic. She's a PMO leader that has been very active in the thought leadership community, but she's also a hands-on PMO leader. And what she was talking about was this concept of WAGILE, Right. This interesting theme around this term Wagile, because we're still talking a lot about Agile, but then we've got our waterfall enthusiasts out there as well. And we've got everyone, frankly, in my opinion, having a little bit of the wrong conversation, which is, is it us and them over all of these different methodologies? Right. When we really should be saying, what's the best solution to solve this business problem? But There is a lot of that conversation happening. So I'm trying to figure out how we can make that a productive conversation and talk about how you actually fit all of this Wagile and Agile and everything else we're talking about here into the portfolio management process. Because some people will argue that it's really hard to manage Agile projects or these Wagile, these waterfall Agile projects at the portfolio management level. And it's that that it's too hard to do, but I know this is something that Keyed In has actually mastered quite a while ago. So I'm wondering if you can shed some light into this whole conversation around Agile, Wagile, and the portfolio management function as a whole and how they can actually work together really well.
1: Well, again, the key part of it is gathering information at the beginning to understand what each project needs to deliver. And the delivery itself is the important factor because is the delivery a, a fixed time, very rigid solution or is it something that can be evolved? Yeah. Does, it, does it change over time? I deliver software. Software evolves. Every time you touch it, it evolves. It's, yeah. it's a for some type of agile methodology. But you do still need to have time boxing, for example, because users don't necessarily, like, especially when you're working in a world of large features, they don't like changes all the time. You need to give expectations of when things will happen. So again, you have to hybridize, you you evolve what happens in the product, but you might release it on a more regular scale. If you're designing a building, you don't really want to do it agilely. I mean, you would design it agilely because you would do a drawing, take it to your customer, show it to them, and then reiterate to the point where you got to a complete. But when you went to build it, you got to make sure that the materials are there first and you're not going to experiment with the materials particularly, other than to drive cost up. You want the foundation in, then the electrics, et cetera. That is a very waterfall project, but it has agile steps in it, like the design, possibly the decoration, maybe the change of the configuration of the rooms even. And the same thing in all business processes, you need to design the fact that you're going to have a bit of both. And a portfolio needs to be the same way. You have projects that have to be delivered at a particular point in order to meet a business requirement, because this is what we need to deliver our products for the spring collection of our fashion four months before. Otherwise, we don't have anything to put out. It's that simple. But the design of those products can be agile. It's just we have a time fence on it, and we have a certain point where we have to start the manufacturing. And so you have to be willing and able to combine those. And we work in healthcare, retail, banking, governments, and each of those has those type of projects. And the ability to integrate tools that allow you to manage a project maybe in a time box way, but also to pass out particular pieces of it so that they can be managed by a team that are working in their own scrum methodology or however they choose to do. It means that the business can react the way they want to. But at the portfolio level, you still need that one view that measures where these projects are and any interdependencies. That is a waterfallish kind of way to do things. The agility comes into the fact that you can constantly reevaluate what's in that program and decide whether or not these are the right things to be working on now. And COVID was huge for that for us, by the way. We had a huge demand suddenly for the use of our portfolio analysis tool, because people were suddenly being told for the first time, no, you can't do that. In times of flush, a project manager can accept a lot of projects and just kind of put them out as they can. But suddenly, these things aren't working anymore. The, The budget shrinks. And so you have to have the science, which says, if you stratify the projects this way, you're down here, you're not going to get that. And it gives them the ability to defend themselves, not against, but with the business to say, these are the things we need to deliver right now, because they're critical to keeping us going forward in this time of crisis.
0: Ah, now, that's a good way to kind of circle back and bring it all together to using the science, using the data, using the artificial intelligence, right, to drive a need to be more agile, right, but also to be able to work in different frameworks, different methodologies, and still drive the business forward by having that top level view, that portfolio level view, the big picture of what's going on. Because that's really one of the fundamental things that business leaders will say is that I really don't have a good sense of what's going on in my organization. I don't know how we're doing, right? And people often say, oh, well, we're doing agile. We can't communicate that kind of information. You'll get it when you get it, right? Like, what is that? That's not actually... how it's supposed to work and nobody can make business decisions on that, right? And so we have to be able to have some basic things that we can count on, but have it flexible enough and real time enough to be able to drive real information in the hands of the decision makers at the right time and real time so that they can make the decisions they need to make. I mean, the organizations that were, that really took to heart the watch out and prepare for VUCA, the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Right. The organizations that really heard that loud and clear before COVID happened and had and were prepared. Right. I bet you saw this with a lot of your clients. I saw this with my PMO students, the ones that had taken that to heart, that had really prepared themselves to be able to pivot and be nimble and flexible and adapt to thrive as I call it, really did really well during the pandemic. They were able to respond to things quickly, move quickly. They were able to incorporate agility with a little a, as well as being able to iterate more and do big A agile kind of initiatives. So I think what we saw was the power of using technology for good instead of evil (laughs) and to really help drive getting through those business solutions. And the more we can automate and streamline that work, the better off we are going to be. So I think that's how you drive impact, right? At the end of the day, that's what it takes. And so we shouldn't be fearful of automation And of using technology to streamline our business, it just better prepares us to achieve the outcomes we're looking to achieve. So it's all goodness from my perspective.
1: Well, and as I said, I'm a a huge fan of artificial intelligence from a number of different methods, both what I run into in business and what I use personally at home. I do think that the the PMO world is behind the curve in adopting it, partly because maybe they suspect they don't have the data the way they do, but that's just something that needs to be worked on.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. So now I, as you know, Matt, this is the impact summit, the PMO impact summit. And the whole idea is for us to drive bigger impact in organizations, not just by learning things, but figuring out how to put those ideas into action. So I'm wondering if you can share with our audience, all of our impact drivers listening, what's the first step they can go take right now to start putting what they've learned today into action?
1: Okay. So if I, if I look at machine learning, Machine learning is based on a review of history to understand what's going to happen in the future. So one of the things that that you want to do is you want to take a look at your historical data. Mm -hmm. Sure, that it has the cleanliness and also the markers to allow you to understand what happened. And I I gave you a hint earlier on. Does your data indicate whether your projects were successful or not? That's a very simple question. But you'd be surprised at how many systems don't actually Put a tag on it. I mean, if you don't, then you have to define a a, a SQL query or something that goes out and looks at different measures within it and says, okay, this was successful. But you got to define it very carefully because it is pretty much a binary thing. That definition of success is important. And then go back and try to do something to tag that data so that the machine has something to look at to understand that these outcomes related to these behaviors.
0: That's perfect. Okay. And you're going to give them a checklist and a resource that they can download right on the page of the PMO Impact Summit session page for this session. They'll be able to download that resource and start using that to help guide them on the next steps of their journey. Well, Matt, thank you so very much for being here today. Thank you for sharing these insights. Thank you to Keaton for their continued sponsorship and support of not just the PMO Impact Summit, but of helping us ensure that no PMO leader is left behind anywhere in the world and that they have everything they need to become an impact driver. In their organization. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here, Laura. Absolutely. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by KeedIn. Looking for a solution that helps you get up and running, but also with you for the long haul? Power your PMO with solutions from Keyed In. Their tried and true model combines software with services to help leaders get value from their PPM tool and grow their PMO to the next level. By simplifying complex areas such as resource management, capacity planning, and portfolio analysis, Keedin effectively changes the way PMOs deliver for the business. Check them out at keedin.com and definitely find and follow them on LinkedIn. And when we get to the PMO Impact Summit, be sure to go say hello to them in their virtual booth so you can learn more about how they can help you make a big impact. All right, Impact Driver, that's it for today's session. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to you continuing the conversation with Matt and all of our awesome pals at Keed in inside the mobile app and the community during the PMO Impact Summit. Bye-bye for now.